0: Hotep family, I shade to all my people out there, what's going on out there in the world. Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of My Unapologetic Perspective here on the Mighty Motivation Network. This is the podcast where we give our point of view of controversial topics from our experience, Black history, and our knowledge as African Americans. In the words of Maya Angelou, do your best until you know better, and when you know better, do better. So it's important to search for information to discover what you don't know. So you can discover your best you. Um, I am joined here today by my co-host to the right of me is Shaquan Battle.
1: In the words of MC Light, my mic sounds nice. Check one.
0: <laughs> and to the right of him is Jerome Battle. Sup. So, uh thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for watching the latest ep- episodes. I've seen the numbers uh spike on YouTube and also spike on Spotify. We thank everybody for going back, watching previous episodes, everybody that's talked to us um, in public about the podcast and everybody who's messaged us in private. Um, we are grateful, man. My, my heart warms every time somebody sends me a message about our podcast. Um, again, we're not here to be right. We're here to make people think and make people do their own research to discover things that may not have been um Placed in their presence during school or whatever the case may be, um, but we we are grateful for everybody that listens, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on Facebook. Um, we appreciate you. Uh, how are y'all?
2: I'm good. Everybody's good.
0: good. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm doing well.
2: Salt and pepper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Salt and pepper. Oh, sorry.
0: Yeah, lyric could get you for We're that. Going to get that straight. <laughs> sorry, lyric would definitely get you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, We're going to jump right in because we have a lot to get into today and hopefully we can be able to get all of it in. But if not, um, of course, there'll be more episodes on it. Uh, We're going to jump into some civil rights cases, Um, some cases where um, murder happened. And this is important because of the recent uh, information about Emmett Till that came out. Uh, Carolyn Bryant was... um, was be uh reinvestigated for her involvement in the Emmett Till murder and of course that case was just closed again without any justice being done and a lot of people don't understand the the roots and the the behind the scenes of things that went on in the Emmett Till case heck i met a lot of people who don't even know who Emmett Till is so uh we're going to talk about that case um right now and then we're going to try to get into some other cases we're going to try to tie it in to things that are happening today um so let's let's just jump right in for the people who don't know who emmett till is emmett till was a um 14 year old from uh chicago originally Uh, from mississippi originally Originally from from Mississippi. mississippi his mother uh i think and his grandmother both moved to chicago where he grew up um And growing up in Chicago, um, his father was a guy by the name of Louis Till. Now, it came out later that Louis Till was overseas during the World War II, and he was actually hanged for allegedly raping two Italian women. Hmm. Um, When people go back and look at the case, they said there's no evidence and no connections to him to that crime. But needless to say that he was hung for uh, that crime.
2: And that information was circulating... During the trial, during the trial of the uh, the two the two individuals that were um, charged with
0: killing Emmett Till, absolutely. Uh, but Emmett Till, from his peers, talked about Emmett being kind of like a a trickster, somebody that liked to make people laugh, somebody that liked uh, a lot of attention on him. Um, and it was after a family member's funeral where his cousin decided that he wanted to go to Mississippi with his grandfather to. Um, spend a couple of weeks or Some months vacation. or whatever. And Emmett Taylor begged to go with his great uncle as well to Mississippi. And originally his mother didn't want him to go because of um there's rules in the South. And they actually had to sit down and talk to Emmett about those rules whenever going South before they um before he convinced them to go. Yeah.
2: Unwritten, and, unwritten, unwritten codes rules of behavior. In my favorite states. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and so they're they're in Mississippi. And one day after um, sharecropping, um, they decide to go into a little town called Money. Now, Money really wasn't like a town that you would think of. It, it only consisted of like five or six stores. Um, but they go in and they wanted to get some candy or something to drink or whatever the case. So they go in with this teenage cousin's And um, they go in two at a time into the store. And Emmett Till is the last person to go into the store. And there's a few accounts about what happened from there. That's
2: right.
0: One of the accounts is when Emmett Till comes out the store, they're standing on the sidewalk. Carolyn Bryant comes out of the store, a white woman, and Emmett Till whistles at her. Another account was one of the teenagers dared Emmett Till to say something to her while she was inside the store. Another account was Emmett Till was along with her in the store and flirted with her or touched her or whatever the case may be. Um, But needless to say, it was something that was against those rules of the South. And they didn't tell their grandfather or great uncle about what happened when they got home and I think three days passed. And then one night, Roy Bryant, which was Carolyn Bryant's husband and his uh, half-brother, uh, j w show up with a um a black guy by the name of Leroy too tight Collins so Leroy two tight Collins go knock on the door uh speaks to the to the grandfather or great uncle two thirty in the morning yeah um and asks do you got a a negro boy here by an uh, that's from Chicago and he tells him yeah and he said well these two gentlemen are gonna wanna talk to him and while that's happening um Roy Bryant and JW go inside the house with a flashlight and a gun searching for Emmett Till and they go room to room until they find Emmett Till and they tell the grand the great uncle or the great grandfather that you know they're going to take Emmett and to talk to him discipline him and then they'll bring him back for what he did but while this is happening they're trying to get Emmett to put his shoes on put his clothes on and Emmett is not saying yes sir no sir he's not giving them the proper respect that the South people thought that they should have and it kind of made them a little more mad at, at at what was going on sound like white
1: most white police
0: <laughs> um and the great uh Emmett's grand grand uh, great uncle you know told him you know I'll put him on the first thing smoking out of here if you just you know, you let them stay. I'll put them on the first thing smoking. I'll give you money. And they said, um, they ultimately declined that offer and told them they was going to just bring them back in a couple of hours. Um, as a few hours go by, they know they, they drive around searching for Emmett Till, And then, um, a few days later, his, uh, body is discovered. um, Just through that, just y'all's mindset on just what I went through on the incident and what we would call the kidnapping. Understand, these two gentlemen are not police officers. They went into the home. This is what we would call kidnapping. Y'all thoughts?
2: I want to start with, he violated the unwritten code of behavior for black males interacting with a white female. Mm Mm-hmm under the Jim Crow era in the South. (laughs) This, you know, this, what they call this is, they call this civil disobedience. Uh When we talk about what happened with uh, Claudette Colvin, um, who was one of the original people, hers happened a few months before um, Rosa Parks on the bus, not giving up her seat. She was actually arrested for civil disobedience, mm-hmm. which is what Rosa Parks were was arrested for, civil disobedience.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: This incident that happened with Emmett Till's was was civil disobedience. So he disobeyed a civil law that was uncivil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I it, it it blows my mind that these type of things happen and we're talking 1955.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? So
2: we're not talking about you know, uh, a tremendous long time ago. Yeah. No. Um,
0: Carolyn Bryant is still alive. Exactly. You know, so.
2: And, you know, so, uh, well, was still alive. Was still alive. Was still alive, yeah. yeah. And it just, it blows my mind that we're having a discussion about something that didn't happen long ago. And people want to tell us that this type of stuff doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's what I'm stuck on. And the fact that they abducted him—that's that's abduction. Yeah. Okay. By law, that's an, an abduction. And the level of fear for the family members, because I can tell you now, if somebody, police officer or not, knock on your door and try to take your child, what you doing? Mm-hmm. You know. So the the level of fear, because mm-hmm. obviously that's the only way the great uncle and the great grandfather would allow this to happen, right. is is that they feared. Mm-hmm. Right. They were they were scared to death. These unwritten codes were codes that say it might be illegal, but you know what the result is, right? right? What are you going to do? What's your alternative? So the level of fear that these people must have felt to allow this to happen is what's telling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we call them unwritten codes. That's like saying if you ask one to live, yeah you, you will do this if you want to live. otherwise here is the alternative. Mm-hmm. I I just, and we'll talk about a little later. So, for the people that think that we don't deserve to be in this country, what other race went through shit like that? Right. To tell us that we don't deserve to be in this country and we don't deserve to be looked upon as Americans rather than just black Americans Mm -hmm. and put us in that box that we we've been talking about since the beginning of this podcast. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think about when I think about this whole situation. And people can say that this may have sparked the civil rights movement because it just may have. Mm -hmm. However, Emmett Till wasn't the first, right? No, you know, and as we see now, he ain't ain't the last.
0: They actually talked about prior to this happening, there were five people lynched within like a, three year radius for either allegedly being with the white right. woman or being with the white woman around this area.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think about the mom sending your 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 child away for a two week summer vacation and he never come back. And, and come back in a in a box that says do not open.
0: Right. Oh. And you you know she she talked about before Emmin left that she told him if you see a white person walking on the sidewalk you get off the sidewalk yeah. until they pass by. And she said, I was being, you know, sarcastic, but those were the rules of the self that he needed to learn how to follow.
1: Yeah, and then to to hear that his dad, that was that was new to me, what you had said about his dad, allegedly raping the two Italian women, and then he gets killed for allegedly whistling or whatever to a white woman.
2: And, and you, if you put it in perspective, Let's say he did whistle at
1: her. Right.
2: He deserved to die for that? Yeah. No. That's, that's a reason they kill somebody because he whistled at a white person.
0: Well, you know, the funny thing is, um her nephew's best friend that's considered like family, he's been doing interviews for the past few years. He talked about how everybody in the family knew that Carolyn Bryant would flirt with any teenager that came into the store. That's she right. would wear short clothing and flirt with males that came into the store. So the interviewer asked him, including black people, he said more than likely black people over white people that she would flirt with. Mm-hmm. So this was something that was common along um Carolyn Bryant flirting with black teenagers. Right. Not just Carolyn Bryant, something common and known with a lot of white women right. who like black men, but against the law, well against those unwritten rules, That's you right. you couldn't
2: and, and we know that, that Emmett, obviously, his mom had the conversation with him before she allowed him to go back down to Mississippi. Um, she knew that him being from Chicago, mm-hmm. he was going to do things a little differently mm-hmm. because there were those unwritten rules didn't apply in Chicago right. to the level that they apply down in Mississippi. Was that t- <laughs> uh, so uh, obviously, um, she, was, she was afraid that he was going to be himself. Yeah. And she didn't want him to be himself. I need you to be somebody different when you go down to Mississippi.
0: Right. And I don't want to rush this episode. If we don't get through everything, that's fine. We've talked about on this podcast how we talk to our kids, our African-American kids, about things that other people don't have to talk to their kids about. Take me through that, how Mammy Till talks to Emmett about the unwritten rules. How does that apply today with speaking to our children about unwritten rules.
2: I'm going to tell you a true story. My nephew Cameron, um, when he was being, he was in the military and was being stationed in Texas, when he was driving him and his family to Texas, I asked him, I said, I need you to map out your plan to get to Texas. Mm-hmm. I need you to map it out. And I would like for you to try to map it out to whenever you spend the night somewhere, you spend a spend night in a town that's popular with the brothers, mm-hmm. right? right? And I meant that. It sounded funny, but I meant it. Right.
0: Get you a green book. Get,
2: get, yes. <laughs> get I want you to make sure that wherever you stay, you map it out and you make sure that there's some black people in that area. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you stay at a hotel. Make sure there's some black people at that hotel that work there and staying there. And I know that sounds funny. We, we're talking about what, 10 years ago, 12 mm-hmm. years ago. We're not talking about a long time ago that I was having this conversation with him about mapping out his trip to Going through some of these states that we've been talking about. Some of your you, favorite states. Some of my favorite states. I love them. <laughs> would travel there often, right? <laughs> Wait on <laughs> but it. But it's, it's, it's mind boggling that you have to have these conversations, not just because it still exists, right? Because we know it exists. We, we go through it. But you're having them. And then you're on the other end. You're having people try to tell you that it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen we're telling you real life stories. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to go through what Emmett Till mama went through and having to have that type of conversation and then her worst fear happening. I didn't have to go through that. Mm -hmm. Right. I feel sorry for parents that did because obviously she wasn't the first parent to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I even remember when we first moved there and we went to school, um, my mom told me Jerome I need you to be somebody other than yourself <laughs> I, I can't have you going to school talking that slick talk to these white folks mm-hmm. right that's my mom telling me that she said because I'm not quite sure how they're going to react to it not that they were going to take me out and kill me yeah. but at the same time she wasn't sure how they was going to respond to somebody that had the freedom of speech that I had when I was 9 or 10 years old Right. so she was concerned about that mm-hmm. um And you guys know, when you guys were in school, I had the same conversation with you guys, Mm -hmm. Um, especially when it came to time for you to start dating or having what you would consider a girlfriend. Um, Because if you had a girlfriend who was not of your race, it might be all gravy, might be all lovely at your house.
1: Mm -hmm. Right?
2: Right. You're on the phone with a white girl, mom, stepdad, might be great. Right. How's it look on the other side? Mm -hmm. How's it look in her house? Is she sneaking? You know, is she hiding a phone? Is she telling them I'm talking to Marty, not Martre? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is she doing things like that to prevent her parents from knowing that you're black? Mm-hmm. And, and again, we're, we're not talking about a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can understand because it, it's always that level of fear. <laughs> I'm saying this and I can't believe that we're having this conversation, that civil disobedience. Mm-hmm in the unwritten codes because the unwritten codes are we don't like that Mm -hmm. we don't like you we don't like your kind and those can be the most deadliest codes there are damn the laws Mm -hmm. the codes can be worse than the laws and in this case it was and also we want to bring up the fact that after the two guys that were tried were found not guilty after they were acquitted they admitted (laughs) to killing right yeah we're we're gonna get to that we're
0: gonna get to that um so three days, they they discovered a body in the river. Um, it was tied to a cotton gin fan. Um,
1: Google they, that. They, Google what that looked like. He, the, they said, cotton gin fan.
0: They said that the whole town stunk. You can smell it through the whole town. And the only way they was able to identify his body was through his uh, the ring that his father gave him. Um, that is the only way that they could even say okay this is Emmett that's the way his body was mutilated um they they the defense actually used that as part of their defense tactic is to
2: say how do we even know this is Emmett too
0: right um <clears throat> what ended up happening was the sheriff the sheriff arrested uh Roy Bryant and JW uh for kidnapping before a day before they actually found the body that's right and, and their and their interpretation was that they did kidnap Imetil they admitted to kidnapping Imetil but said that they realized they had the wrong boy so they left them go let him go unharmed what ended up happening was after they were arrested they find the body the sheriff tries to get them to bury the body. Without even, without Mammy Till even being able to see the body. That's right. So they tried to bury the body in Mississippi. While the burial was about to go on, they stopped the burial and said, no, they want the body to be transported to Chicago. Mississippi only decided to transport the body under one condition that the Chicago coroner would not open up mm-hmm. the box. That's right. That was the agreement. So, They transport the body to Chicago. Mammy Till says, I want to see the body. The coroner says, you can't see the body. That was under the conditions for them to give me the body. She said, the conditions were, you can't see the body. That's right. Give me a hammer. I'll open the casket, and I'll look at the body. The crate.
1: Say it in your your black mama voice. (laughs) You can't do it. You can't do it. Give me that. Give me that.
0: She said she started from the feet up because she said she had to work herself up to actually begin to look at what would be her son.
2: And and, and the smell.
0: The smell. And and the smell. She said, you know, going from the feet up, first thing she noticed, they cut off his private parts. Moving on up, his tongue had been cut out and basically laid back into his, his mouth. On his left cheek, His eyeball was basically sitting on his left cheek outside of the socket. She said it looked like somebody had took a meat cleaver and just chopped down on his nose. She said she couldn't see his ear. And there was basically daylight coming from where the ear was supposed to be. And you can see from one side to the other. And she said to herself, did they have to shoot him too? Because the bullet hole went from one side to the other. And she said the top of his head looked like it had been split in the two and basically put back together. Um, And that's what a mother had to look at when it came to, you know, seeing her son.
2: 14 years old.
0: 14 years old. And the coroner wanted to close the body back up. And Mammy said, no, I want everybody to see what I just saw. If a mother can see what she just saw, then everybody else shouldn't have a problem seeing what what I just saw. Um, And they had an open casket. Everybody went in and looked at it. And thankful to uh, David Jackson, who Mm -hmm. photographed it um, at the funeral and put the pictures into Jet Magazine that ended up going into all of the newspapers around the world to where everybody seen what happened to Emmett Till. Y'all thoughts on just that part.
1: As as you were saying it, I was just starting thinking about my kid as a, as a parent having to put myself in a situation to go, you think about you, you telling, you telling a 14 year old not to be yourself. You giving them these unwritten laws to abide by because you're in another state. A 14 year old is not going to remember those things. A 14 year old is, he might remember some, Um, you know, you, you look you tell a 14 year old now, hey, when you go on Walmart, take your hood off. The first question they're gonna ask you is why? Mm-hmm. And you have to explain to them because you're black, you might be subject to being followed because you're black with mm-hmm. a hood on. Now never mind that it's 20 degrees outside. They don't care about that. Absolutely. But to to as a parent to have to go view your child like that, um, that that would be hard for me and even harder for me when she said, No, nah, I want everybody to see this. Mm-hmm. Just shows you how strong black women are
2: mm-hmm. i you know we we go back to when his mother cautioned Emmett um when he got down to mississippi she she said something that's very important because we talk about it all the time she said she wanted to caution him that there were two different worlds, two different worlds. Mm-hmm. We talk often about two different Americas. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was 1955, right? And even today, if you Google right now, somebody has mentioned two Americas,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? Um, white America, Black America. Black America acknowledges that it's a huge difference mm-hmm. and that discrimination exists. White America does not acknowledge that. This is proof. 1955, she was telling you, son, 14 years old, who, by all means, probably did not understand it. 14 years old. He probably did not understand the consequences that his mom was trying to protect him from. Mm -hmm. He probably didn't understand. So the question now is for today, how many people don't understand it? Mm -hmm. First, you have to admit that it exists. Uh And then you have to try to understand the reality of it. Because the reality could be this Emmett Till situation. Uh And I, I think for most people in history, we we read about Emmett Till's in school. I, I I don't know if you guys did or not. I don't I don't remember.
0: Did we read about Emmett Till? Yeah. I don't think so. I know
2: we talked about it when you guys were I don't younger, think so. but I don't know that you. It was actually in a, a
0: textbook. If if it was, it it may have just been kind of like the um birmingham bombing is right. it's, it's mentioned that's yeah. right so but you don't go exactly. into the facts of the exactly. case
2: exactly because it's usually mentioned as the true start of civil rights movement. right so it's really in conjunction with civil rights so it goes straight from emmett till to rosa parks to right. Martin yeah. Luther King, right, right. Right, right and nobody ever knows well what even happened to emmett till who most people don't even know who emmett till is right when you say emmett they think emmett smith right, right. they're not even thinking emmett till so for me, the fact that she acknowledged, she understood, she acknowledged that there's two different Americas, right? And we're not just talking about Jim Crow. We're talking about white and black. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about the law. We're just talking about the perception of America mm-hmm. and what America looks like and how are you gonna be treated if you have that civil disobedience, mm-hmm. that violation of unwritten codes. Mm-hmm how the hell is somebody supposed to function on, on, on that merit? How? Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to live in that America?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We, we don't. As we see, you can't live in that America. So what ends up happening is things like this happens. Or you have to have people stand up and say, we want to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that this truly sparked civil rights. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that. I think that this became... Um, evidence that something was wrong that I think that the civil rights movement used, but you didn't have this didn't have to happen before civil rights the fight for civil rights
0: began. You know, he said something on one of the episodes where he said that um, a lot of people, a lot of the teenagers today, are more involved because they look at cases and say that could have been me. That's right. When you look at Emmett Till, I don't think it sparked the civil rights movement, but like we talked about on our civil rights episode is most of the civil rights movement came from teenagers. That's right. So they looked at Emmett Till. When you look at the the SNCC, when you look at um, the freedom riders, most of these are college students, high school students, middle school students. We've even talked about elementary school students. That's right. They see Emmett Till as that could have been me. And they take the forefront. Now, you could talk about Dr. King, Rosa Parks, and that's the NAACP right. saying, okay, we need to be the face of it because we don't want the kids to be harmed. But it sparked, I don't think it sparked the civil rights movement. It ignited it because it brought more youth into right. it to to spark it, like a Claudette yeah, right. Colvin. I
2: know what else it did, though, which we're going to get into. It did help develop the mindset of one of the infamous Black Panther Party leaders. Absolutely, and, and, Fred Hampton. and Fred Hampton, because and his because his mother used to babysit Emmett
0: Till. Emmett Till. Absolutely, and when you get again, Muhammad Ali talked about it. Muhammad Ali talked about how he first learned about civil rights was he was on a bus and he seen the picture of Emmett Till, and what we see is people who did not live in the South started to say, "What are those unwritten rules?" that we don't know about in Chicago, That's in right. New York, that we don't know about in Detroit, that we don't know about in um in LA. Uh we're going to take we don't a quick know com- about
2: in South Africa and we don't know about in Europe because they got involved as well.
0: We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Um and we are back. Go to YouTube, type in Mighty Motivation Network, hit the subscribe button, go to Facebook, type in My Unapologetic Perspective, hit the like button to catch up on all the latest updates. Um, we're gonna jump right back in again. If we do not get into everything today, I promise you, we're gonna come back and we're gonna re- uh, revisit some of these cases. We're not just gonna leave it hanging. Um, Shakorn, your thoughts on what we just discussed?
1: Um, I know we were talking about that was you, what 1955. 1955. Uh, I mean 2018 in in your favorite state, North Georgia. Um. I'm probably going to pronounce her name wrong. Uh, is it Talma Hartsford that went to the sleepover with the white friend? She was the only black girl there and ended up dead. Mm-hmm. And they said that the the report came back that her blood level was two to three times the, the alcohol limit. She had marijuana and Xanax in her system. And the sister said, I highly doubt that my sister would do all of that going to a party with people that she barely know. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody still has been arrested for that.
0: It's going to be like one of those cases, man. 42 years from now, they'll, they'll bring it back up yeah. like they did with with this and a few other cases will go into see, that's
1: That's what I'm saying is that was 1955. Mm-hmm. This was 2018. You know, the the precedents had already been
2: set. Right. We we talk about precedents. And and let me go to precedents real quick for a second. Statistics on lynchings began to be collected in 1882. Since that time, more than 500 African Americans have been killed, extrajudicial violence in in Mississippi alone. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: More than 3,000 across, of course, the South. Most of the incidents took place between 1876 and 1930s, though far less common. After the mid the mid nineteen fifties, but still continued in places like Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Even the suggested sexual contact between black men and women could carry severe penalties for a black man, right? Notice it said for a black man.
0: Mm-hmm. What that doesn't say.
2: What it doesn't mm-hmm. say is white man can date a black woman all day long, mm-hmm. right? But not the other <laughs> way around. So also, we're also going to talk about that the Brown uh, Brown versus the Board of Education has happened in 1954, mm-hmm. the year before this happened. So as blacks are continuing to t- try to make a strive for equality, it's infuriating the mass of, 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 of white Americans and saying they're trying to take our civil liberties. Right, right? They're trying to take what we have. They want to be equal to us. Mm -hmm. We're going to show them that they're not. Mm -hmm. So it fueled a lot of this hatred as if you could fuel it any more than it already is. If the charcoal is already burning, do I really need to put gas on it, right? But they did. And they continue to do that in such a fact that you have people like Emmett Emmett Till that was murdered Mm -hmm. in 1955 after the decision of Brown versus Board of Education.
0: Right, so (laughs) if if you look at that like, Things don't happen in a vacuum. So you have to understand. This is why we always talk about uh, a chronology of history. So if you look at 1954, do you look at 1955? You can see things talked about in the 1955 case where there's still a superiority that still wants to be uh, put on display. That's right. This is a superiority, uh, superiority type of deal of what, J.W. and Roy Bryant did is to say that you are inferior I don't care what the Brown the Board of, Edu- of Education says that you're not equal to us That's right. you know what I'm saying this is a, a, a poke our chest out and we're going to deal with the, uh, the Southern Negroes the way we want to deal with the Southern Negroes throughout the case they kept bringing up the NAACP they did not want the NAACP to be at the trial That's they right. didn't want them to have an influence on the trial we can go back to the, the the court case that just got settled a couple a few weeks ago, where they talked about they didn't want Reverend Al Sharpton them inside the courtroom. That's right. So we can see these things correlate with each other, and you have to understand the you have the, to understand the chronology. Precedents
2: had been set. We let's let's add one more thing. A week before this happened to Emmett Till, right there in Mississippi, in that same town, a black activist named Lamar Smith was shot and killed in front of the county courthouse. Mm-hmm. For political organizing, all he's doing is political organizing. Three white suspects was arrested, but was soon released. Nobody held accountable for killing him in front of the county courthouse.
0: I say segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. You see that,
1: and that's uh, that's the that's what we be saying when we say Black Lives Matter. Because if this was black people that was doing this, you don't get an opportunity to go home first.
2: That's right. You're
1: arrested there. You're not gonna get. If God forbid this happens, if Bake shoot somebody tomorrow, they're not gonna tell Bake, "Hey, look, when you get home, we're gonna have officers set outside your house." Oh, no, you're going to jail
0: immediately. Well, and you we look at a lot of these are arrested because from federal government pressure, they had to be arrested. Mm-hmm. So. In order for the federal government not to be to get involved, the state or the the local jurisdiction has to do something before the federal government comes in to do something. You have to remember, a lot of cases that were solved in the South came from the federal government coming down and creating these charges, like the the three uh, boys that were that were char um, that were killed. It took the federal government to come down and and investigate to find. Not only the bodies, but to prosecute the people who were involved. Because who were the people who were involved? The local sheriffs was right. involved. Right. So we'll get to that in a second because um, the sheriff is key into, into this case. But number one, we, again, this this still happens. $10,000 was raised in the defense for Roy Bryant and, J- and JW. $10,000 was raised um, on their behalf. Mammy Teal received death threats to not attend the trial. Nor the NAACP, they actually began to send her pictures of her son body mutilated and said, "This gonna happen to more people if you show up to um, the courthouse." So of course, being a strong black mother that she is, she showed up to the courtroom and she said that white kids from ages right six to ten had toy guns that were firing at her, saying "bang," while the fathers laughed. To try to intimidate her while going into the courtroom. Blacks, again, segregation. You go back to 1954, Brown versus Board of Education. But the sheriff made sure that the courthouse was still segregated. Blacks sat in the back while white people sat in the front. Um, There was a, a Negro congressman that was there. He wasn't even allowed in until they said, hey, look, this dude is a congressman. You might want to let him in. And they said, well, well, we got nigger congressmen in here. So put them off to the side, put the journalists to the side and um, allowed them to be there. MC um, MC Moore and Megger Evers uh, accompanied um, Mammy Till to the trial every day while simultaneously still out looking for witnesses and talking to witnesses. Again, we talked about this on um, on our courtroom episode. In the South, if you were black, you did not testify against white people. That's right. This was something that was that was not done because of death threats. That's right. Um, and when it ended up happening, they were looking for people to testify. Um, but during the the testimonies, um, again, Roy Bryant and his brother J.W. both admitted to kidnapping Emmett Till. I'm going to keep saying this. They both admit to kidnapping Emmett Till. Because that's one of the charges, uh, kidnapping mm. in the middle of the night from his uncle's house. The sheriff <laughs> not only runs the courtroom, he testifies on the behalf of Roy Bryan and JW. That's right. He testifies that he doubts that that's the body of Emmett Teal. Yep. That that they think that Emmett Teal went back to Chicago, Chicago with his uh and, and is playing a trick on Mississippi and to, to bring up the NAACP and all this stuff going. So
1: after they admitted that they kidnapped him. After
0: them. they admitted they had kidnapped them, after they found this mutilated body. Um Bryant testified, Carolyn Bryant testified that he made sexual advances towards her uh while in the store. Mammy Till said that there's no way. In her mind, that Emmett could have did that under so much pressure because he had a speech impediment problem. That's right. She said as she don't think that he would have been able to formulate the sentences that Carolyn Bryant said that Emmett Till said to her. Um
1: and nobody knows that kids like a black mother.
0: The <laughs> uncle testified, <laughs> and I believe um, I think his name last name was Reed testified.
2: Yeah, Willie Reed.
0: Willie Reed testified so Willie that uh Reed
2: heard he saw. He, he saw the truck. He saw the truck he he and heard the black. noises. he heard the screaming coming from the barn.
1: He had to be black. But
2: Willie? Yeah Willie, yeah. Reed black. yeah, Willie Reed was <laughs> black. And Willie
1: Reed
0: also said he seen uh, Too Tight Collins, Collins. Collins cleaning out the truck and had blood on his shirt. And he admitted that it was Emmett Till's blood. Yep. Um, and he also believed that
2: Leroy Collins was the one that was in the back seat with Emmett as they were driving well, to they, the they, barn.
0: Well, they said that uh, Leroy Too Tight Collins was the one that initially knocked on the door and his job was to restrain <clears throat> Emmett in the back. That's right. That he was having trouble restraining Emmett, so they went and picked up a guy by the name of Henry. Yeah, now they, that's right. I've seen a few in, uh, um, interviews with Henry. He still denies it, that he didn't have anything to do with it. But uh, they also said that um, Leroy was the one who shot him inside of the head after Roy said put him out of his misery. Right. Um, but after four days of testimony, um, it took the jury 67 minutes to deliberate. And they said the only reason it took them that long because they was back there drinking beer and decided how were they going to, they spent 30 minutes deciding how they was going to deliver it to Roy Bryant so that, you know, y'all are uh, not guilty. Um, Mammy Till, when they were, before they even read the, the jury's verdict, she, uh, she told Megger to ever she was ready to leave. And Megger said before, the, um, before they read it, and she said, we already know what it's going to say. So she said all of the black people ended up leaving before the jury even comes out. And then later on, they heard that, you know, they were found not guilty.
1: What y'all famous saying? I'm surprised that you I'm surprised. surprised. It's just a surprise. surprise. And
0: then, like Dad said, um, they confessed a a year later to a magazine for $4,000 where they told the story. Um, Mammy Till passed away in 2003. And in 2004, the New York City Council meeting, they fought to get the case reopened due to a documentary that was done by Keith uh, Beecham. Um, and the FBI ended up reopening the case. and in um 2004, um a deathbed confession by Miller's brother Leslie admitted his own involvement in the kidnapping and murder. And again, we just talked about uh the case was reopened and now closed again because there was a uh, a writer uh, who said that Carolyn Bryant recanted her statement. And so they reopened the case to try to investigate whether she recanted her statement and try to get her for perjury or uh, putting this whole thing into motion. And they said they couldn't find any evidence from that writer that she recanted her statement. But we all know that she the one that got the ball rolling Mm -hmm. on everything that happened. Y'all thoughts on everything that we just went through from the trial to after the trial.
2: I'm surprised. (laughs) I'm surprised, surprised. You know. I, it doesn't surprise me because that was part of the precedence being set for what we see today. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know many, many more people before him. In fact, it wasn't long after this that Mega Evers was assassinated. 1963. For, for basically doing the same thing of Brown uh, versus the Board of Education in the state of Florida.
0: Well, he um, all, and he, they also think that mega Evers was assassinated because he was still looking into the Emmett Till case.
2: Absolutely. So, I mean, we, we, we see where the precedent was set, and it continues. Um, but also, there was something that was important that, um, I think his name was William Huey, who was a um, uh, uh, somebody who said that they were told by the people who beat him, beat Emmett Till's, said that when they was beating Emmett, he asked them, did he say anything? And they said Emmett called them bastards mm-hmm. and said that, I'm as good as you. Black or not, I'm Mm -hmm. just as good as you are. Um, And for me, I'm one of those people that like being black and proud.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And even though Emmett was 14 and probably knew he was going to die, wanted to be black and proud. And um, for me, if that is true, because these are the white people saying that that's what he said, and (laughs) you can believe him or not believe him, um, but if that's in fact what he said, then that makes me proud, even more proud to be black. Is that if somebody knocked on your door today and said, we need you to fight for a cause that you won't see the benefit of, would you go? Because we look at servicemen as being heroes because they go to war or possibility of going to war. And we think that's heroic. Uh a job not taking anything away from what they do but they enlist for that Mm -hmm. right police officers go out every day and especially in in cities like Chicago and risk their lives and they say that's heroic and I'm not saying that it's not but you signed up for that Mm -hmm. every day during the civil rights movement and prior these people risk their lives for something that they probably knew they would not see the reward of their work. Mm -hmm. They would not reap the fruits of their labor. They knew that. They were willing to go out and do it every day. Not specifically Emmett Till's, but could be. But when you look at people doing the civil rights movement, and we're going to get into some of those people in a few minutes, they knew that they weren't going to reap the fruits of their labor. Mm -hmm. How many people would be willing to do that today? Mm You know, So... I, I think in the case of Emmett Till, I think even though it may not have been the start of the civil rights movement, I'm like, I'm like you Beck, it ignited a spark. It was more evidence to say we have to do something. Younger people looked at it and said, that could have been me. Um, that could have been my brother, you know, um, that could have been you. And we need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, at the end of the day, I think that It touched a lot of people Mm -hmm. all over the world, not just in the United States, um, all over the world. But anytime you can have other states look at what you're doing, Mm -hmm. two things can happen. They can follow suit like Virginia usually does, Mm -hmm. or they can say, that's not right. We're going to stand against it. And in this case, I think most of the United States, northern United States, um, stood against it. So y'all
0: went too far there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Y'all went too far.
2: Way too far. Mm. Way
0: too far. Mm. So y'all it. um
1: I just hearing stories like this, um, going into detail and that's that's why this podcast is big because twenty, thirty, forty years from now, somebody's gonna come across this podcast and they're gonna say this is what happened to Emmett too, because it's not going to be on the internet. It's not going to be in textbooks, but it's going to be on this podcast. And that's why this podcast is so big. Um, hearing stories like this just make me proud of being black. Um, and to the people that's watching, if you're black, if your kids are black, if your kids are mixed, be sure to tell them. And I, I tell my niece all the time, um, you know, because she has trouble at school. Um, embrace who you are, embrace who you are. If they don't like it, then that's what it is but don't don't just because they like it, don't like it, don't try to not be that um, and that's like I said, I just the mind frame of Mammy tail you know seeing her son like that, sending her kid off because when we send our kids off, we expect them to come back. that's right. We don't expect them to come back in the box.
0: Um, for the people listening, I think you have to understand what it is you stand for in the moment and what is it gonna look like in the future. And and I say that because the families of Roy Bryan and JW, their interviews, they talk about how they weren't racist. Well, not not so much as Roy Bryant, Carolyn Bryant's family. They really talk about they really weren't racist. They made it, They might just think, you know, Roy was, but she was like, you know, Carolyn wasn't raised like that, to, to be like that. But those are the people who didn't stand up for Emmett Till. And we even see Emmett Till is called a martyr for something, for basically doing nothing. You know, I know a lot of people like to think of a martyr as somebody that died for a cause because they knew what was going to happen. Emmett Till is a martyr, even though it was something that he probably didn't want to die for. Right. And when you look at what happened with George Floyd, a lot of people said the same thing, that this is not somebody that we should call a martyr. I don't think George Floyd wanted to be a martyr. Right. But we take the situation in the moment and understand what is it going to look like 30, 40, 50 years from now right. when people, you know, in the future, see this video of somebody kneeling on his neck for seven minutes. He may not be a martyr, but you have to understand what side of history you're on. That's right. Because your grandkids are gonna ask you, what did you feel about George Floyd mm-hmm. when he died? Right. And for for honestly, if social media stays stays around, we got receipts. So your grandkids may be able to go on social media and see you talking about how you stood on the side of <laughs> Derek Chauvin. How you stood on the side of get, uh, on of racism. So you have to understand how things look into a moment because there are a lot of people who didn't like Emmett Till and said that he deserved to die for whistling at a white woman. Now, you don't want those grandbabies to, know to learn about part. this in school because of the way you thought. So you have to look at things in a moment. And while I'm there, I have to say this. I should have said it at the beginning of the episode. Rest in power to my sister, um, Amanda what's Amanda's last name um, Campbell. Amanda Campbell Amanda Campbell uh, was a white woman but she stood on the side of being anti-racist not just being against racism she was anti-racism and she stood for things that was injustice for black people as being a white woman and we looked at her as an ally because she understood what was happening in the moment and you're going to be missed, Amanda, because when things was happening, you will be the first person to call white people out on their shit. And, and and we love you for that. And we hope that you rest in power. And we hope that you continue to guide and direct us through the um through your eternal life. Um, We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back. And I'm sorry, we're only going to get to just Emmett Till today. We're going to come back and we're going to do um another person next week. But we don't want to oversaturate you with information so we're at 51 minutes now so we're just going to do our closing remarks um and then we're gonna let you go back and do your own research because we hope everybody that listens to this goes back and do their own research um but shaquan your closing thoughts
1: uh,
2: nah, sure. <laughs> uh i, I, I want to go back to precedence real quick um Sheriff Strider was his name. He was the the um, the sheriff during the time of Emmett Till Till's murder. And um, when the the black spectators would come back from lunch um, to the courtroom, he would say in a cheerful manner, "Hello, niggers." Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I just want you guys to just think about something. Some of you went to court. If you ever got your driver's license prior to 2015, you probably had to go to court to get the second part of your driver's license. I think that changed in like 2015 or something. But if you ever had to go to court for anything, it's always an inferior feeling when you're in court because you have literally no power. The power belongs to the system and the individuals that are conducting the hearing. These are the people who have all the power. They have all the understanding. You hear the way that the court even starts. They say something in a, in a language that most people don't even know what it means, mm-hmm. right? So, and then the way that the the attorneys and the the district attorneys talk, they talk in a manner that the average person don't even know what they're talking about. Okay. So, so now, we talked about this before, communication becomes a problem because now I don't understand what you're saying so that inferior feeling increases even more you're powerless Mm -hmm. you're helpless at some point you're even hopeless Mm -hmm. that's the same feeling that i'm sure most people get when they go to the courtroom and you're black whether you're the defendant or the family of a victim you have that same feeling and i i think about a couple of the hearings that just went on where the judge wouldn't allow them, this is the Cal Rittenhouse, they wouldn't allow the the prosecutor to refer to the victims as victims, Mm -hmm. because that's what they were, they were victims. And you don't usually see this when it's not a race-oriented issue and the person that benefits from whatever's going on is white. This is what you see. Mm -hmm. This is real. The precedence has already been set. And for the people that try to deny it, why? Mm -hmm. Why are you trying to deny it? Again, we've said on many episodes before, we're not asking for any more than what white people ask. We're not asking for more. We're asking for equal. Why? We earned it. We've earned it. We've went through the same things in this country that you guys have went through. The only reason we went through more is because you put us there. Mm-hmm. You put us in a situation to go through more than what you went through. You victimized us.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And you want to continue to victimize us, one, by not telling the true history of black Americans,
0: mm-hmm.
2: not telling about the contributions that we made to this country. To the point that a lot of people probably don't know this. We've never had a black Female governor in the United States? Mm-hmm. Never. How many people knew that? We've never had a black female governor in the United States. So you're telling me at no point in the history of this country we've had a viable black female to be a governor? Mm-hmm are these funky-ass states in the South? Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Are you telling me that? So don't tell, for for white America, don't tell me that discrimination doesn't exist. Fuck you. Mm -hmm. It exists, and it exists every day, and if you are not a part of the solution, you're part of the problem.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Got anything? Emmett Till's dad was murdered for a legend. Emmett Till was killed for allegedly. George Floyd was killed for allegedly having a fake, buying something with a fake $20 bill or a $100 bill, it doesn't matter. Um, the murders and the trials is a mockery of the value of an African-American life. And that's why you see black lives matter because black people can't go into white people's houses and take their kids and say, Oh no, nah, we're just gonna have a talk with them real quick. And then when he doesn't come back, we say, Oh yeah, we kidnapped him, but we ain't kill him. Huh. Yeah. They they playing a joke. We you know, he he ran away. We don't, we don't get to do those things. We don't get to put our knee on somebody's neck until they die. We don't we don't get those privileges of, of doing um, but that's just to show you African American life and a white person's life totally different. Bake said it. We live in two different Americas. Dad, you said it. We live in two different worlds, and that's what it
0: is. I I, I think this episode for the people who've been listening to every episode, this is a a, a culmination of everything that we've talked about, basically, whether you talk about the civil rights movement and whether you talk about the two different Americas, whether you talk about segregation and housing from the different, um, areas in the South with Jim Crow, whether you talk about the court system, because let's be clear that, that it was an all white jury, all white male jury, um, that we still see happening today. Um, When it comes to jury selection, um, all of these things coincide with everything that we've talked about, just with the Emmett Till case and everything that's surrounded. That's why this case is so big, because in order to understand where we're going, we have to understand where we came from. And there's a lot of things that are constantly repeating themselves. And a lot of people don't know it's repeating themselves because they don't know the history. This is the reason why they don't want to teach you the history because they don't un- they don't want you to know that precedent that we've been talking about that this have happened on a numerous of occasions. So when you look at situations like this, how Emmett Till can coincide with uh, Trayvon Martin, when you look at cases like this, how a child can be kidnapped from their home, and we talked about Amber Alerts before, all of these things are 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 conjoined together in some kind of way to, to talk about the two different Americas that we live in. Again, we're talking about 1955. We're talking about people who are still alive to understand and see that picture in the newspaper. We're not talking about a long time ago. So when you look at that, the fact that so many people have no idea who Emmett Till is, for one, and they don't understand who mega Ever is, for two, they don't understand why we are still trying to get justice 50, 60, 70 years later is because injustice injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. So you have people who feel like they can walk around and get away with stuff like a George Zimmerman who can talk about what he did after the fact, can can get um, book deals after the fact. This is no different. This is no different. We're still seeing this to this very day. And if the officer gets off for saying that she thought it was her taser, she's going to get a book deal. She's going to be able to talk about it. Because Roy Bryant and JW got away because there is no such thing that you can do double jeopardy. So once you've been cleared of that, there's no going back for it. And we see the justice system constantly fail black people. We've seen law enforcement, like the sheriff in this case, constantly fail black people. We see the media constantly fail black people, which is why you had to have journalists there. You had to have photographers there that could speak for black people in Emmett Till. Because a lot of journalists in the newspaper said that Emmett Till got what he asked for. That's the reason why they brought up Louis Till's situation to say he's, uh, the, the son is just like his daddy. If you don't understand what's going on in history, you will not understand what's presently happening and what's going to happen in the future. Um, We love y'all. Peace.